please, as we continue in a series, Return to the Ancient Paths. Luke chapter 7, find verse 11. 7-11. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Again, greetings to our online congregation. Going to read to you these verses of Scripture from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you're all there, say Amen. Now it happened the day after that he, it's capital H talking of Jesus, went to a city called Nain. And many of his disciples were with him. And a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord, everybody say the Lord. When the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her, and He said to her, Do not weep. Verse 14, Then He came and touched the open coffin, and those who who carried Him stood still. And He said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So He who was dead sat up and began to speak, and He presented Him to His mother. Then great fear came upon them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us. God has visited His people. And this report of Him went throughout all Judea and the surrounding region. Heavenly Father, before You we stand, hearts filled with gratitude for all that You've done and now for all that You're going to do in this service. Come on, lift Your voice and ask God to touch You, to speak to You. Come on, lay hands on Your own heart. Holy Spirit, come. Give us living understanding. Release Your power. Release even revelation to us as we break open Your Word of truth. Your Word will remain. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Your Word will remain. And we thank You for what You're going to do. We give You praise and glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. When we were in an Igigig, our dear brother Tim, Minister Tim, preached a service there and there was a young cannery worker who gave her heart to the Lord, she got saved. And as I counseled her out in front of that little church, she began to tell me that she didn't really know who, what God was like. And so I asked her if she had a Bible. She said, no. I went back in and found a Bible in there. They had one of those you know, paperback ones that churches give out. We've given them out. I got one of those paperbacks and brought it to her and found the New Testament and showed her the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. And I said, here's what you're going to do. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See these? And I told them there's, there's four accounts. They're called the four Gospels. They tell the same story, a little bit different, different perspective, different emphasis. And you read through... Those four books are called books of the Bible, and she understood. I said, you read it through, and then you read it through again, and you read it through again. And when you're reading it, don't read it like a book. When you read it, imagine yourself at the fire with Jesus. Imagine yourself there when He's making the whip. Imagine when, you're, when He's there and He feeds the 4,000, He feeds the 5,000. Put yourself in there and get to know this man, Jesus. And she said, okay, I feel different. Yeah, he got saved, and I told her about that, and she's like, wow. And she went off, and she took her paperback Bible, and she tucked it in her jacket, and she zipped it off and took off on her 1986 4x4. Many people don't know what God is like. You need to know what God is like. You need to to know God. It's impossible, really, to, to know Him fully, but we all must grow in the knowledge of God. This text tells us what God is like. As I said, we've been doing a series called Return to the Ancient Paths, and that came, comes from Jeremiah 6 and verse 16. A word from the Lord to me personally at a number of different times, and then recently when I was on a trip, He told me, teach the people to return to the ancient paths. 
What is the ancient path? The ancient path is the way of God, the way of the Lord. His precepts, His teachings, His truth. The modern path or the highway, there's a highway of holiness, of course, but the highway, the modern road, is the way of idolatry. The Stoics don't believe that God cares. The Stoics believe that God is a God of apathy. Pagans believe that God is vindictive. God, your God, the God of the Bible, is not apathetic. He cares. He's certainly not vindictive. In fact, his wrath was released on his own son so that you can walk in peace and wholeness. The deist view of God is that God is afar off. Why, he made, it, he made everything. He wound it up like a clock and then just backs off and he's got nothing to do with it. That is not any of the views that we find here in the Bible that you hold in your hand that people gave their lives for, died on a stake for. We've got like one in every room. Bathrooms, living room. Got different versions. Let's look at the text. This, this text is, is awesome. You see two crowds. First of all, it happened after that that Jesus went to a city called Nain. Nain is a, a Roman city, really. There was an outpost there. Many disciples went with them and a, a large crowd. How many of you know a large crowd only goes to where something's happening? I was in King Salmon. There's a place there called D&D Pizza. It's been there a long time. Anybody ever eaten D&D Pizza? Okay, well, I'm telling you, if you're in King Salmon, whatever you're doing, make time to go there. It is the best pizza I have ever had in the state of Alaska. Of course, I'm from New York, so, you know, it doesn't beat New York, or at least in my own mind, maybe. But, I mean, it was awesome. And people were waiting for 45 minutes to an hour to get their pizza, and, and nobody balked at it. In fact, I, one guy's coming out, a fisherman's coming out with a pizza, and uh, they told me it was going to take about an hour or whatever, and I, I'm just thinking, I don't know if we should wait that long. We're hungry. The guy's coming out with a pizza. I said, hey, bro. He goes, yeah. I said, is it any good? He said, oh, it's worth the wait. Absolutely. I thought, I'm down. Because there's a large crowd. Why? Because something's happening. There's a large crowd following Jesus. Why? Because he is all that and a bag of chips. He's healing the sick. He's setting the captives free. Jesus, our hero, our Savior, our Deliverer, has got this massive crowd. I call it the life crowd. What's it called? The life crowd. Well, there's a different crowd also at this gate called the death crowd. I call them the what? The, the death crowd. They're mourning. Now, there is mourning. And there is death. And when somebody dies, we mourn. And that's a very real thing. But there's a sense of hopelessness about this particular Situation. You say, why is that? Look, come on, look at the text with me, won't you? When they came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man. Okay, so there's sadness there. Somebody's died. Anybody had anybody die? It's sad. A dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother. So let's just stomp. There's a comma. It says more. But there's this, this lady, who, her only son, her only child is now dead. Any child that dies before a parent, that's a tragedy indeed. But it gets worse. Everybody say it gets worse. And she was a widow. Okay, so here comes this large crowd. It's a funeral procession. They're coming out the gate of Nain. There's a widow. Her only son is dead. He's the guy in the casket. It's a hopeless situation because they didn't have food stamps. They didn't have welfare. They didn't have any of that stuff. Well, they had gleaning. They had different things to be able to help them. But from a Middle Eastern, first century perspective, this lady was in a hopeless situation. Her husband had died. She had no means of making any money. Her husband's dead. Now that her son, who would have taken up leadership of provision in the house, he's now dead. And they're on the way out. I mean, this lady has in a world of hurt. But Jesus comes. Come on, somebody say, but Jesus. But Jesus comes. And this verse here, you don't want to miss it. Verse 13, look there with me. When the Lord saw her. Everybody say, the Lord. That word there, the Lord, Lord, should be capital L. Lord. And in the Greek, it's kurios. It's not, it's... It's, it's really, it's referring to, if I could use the, the, uh, the Hebrew, it would be the tetragrammatron, the Y-H-W-H. Some of you don't know what that means, but I don't either really. It's the name of God. 
In other words, you can't, you can't, when you come across that in Hebrew, you say Adonai. You try to pronounce it, it doesn't have any of the vowels. In fact, the name of God is so sacred that they wouldn't even fill it in. We guessed to say it was Jehovah or something. You know that. They wouldn't even write down his name, it's so holy. On my trip, I never, I had this guy sitting behind me. I've never heard the Lord's name taken in vain so many times. I just wasn't sure what I was going to do about it, and I felt like I'd just stand up and rebuke him. I thought, ah, oh, talk about his vacation, how great it was. He was drunk every night. This here, the Lord saw her. The word is curious. It, it is Lord God Almighty. See, what are you talking about? I'm telling you, and the onset as we move into this message, this is God who shows up with the crowd. Jesus is God. Say it. Jesus is God. Now, I don't know about that, Pastor. I've been told that Jesus is each other. I don't know about that. Let me, can I just prove it for a moment? Just, just for a moment. Take your Bibles. Turn. John 8. Some of you know where I'm going. Hold your finger in John 8 and flip all the way back to the book of Exodus. Chapter, anybody know? All you scholars, three. So in John 8, oh, let's do Exodus 3 first. No, let's get, no, I'm kidding. Exodus 3, Exodus what? Three. Exodus 3. So the, 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 the background of Exodus 3 is this. Moses, God, has heard the cry of his people, so he's going to come and deliver them. Moses is turned aside by a burning bush. Comes to the burning bush. The burning bush is not consumed. It's there and it talks to him. He's totally freaked out. And he has this conversation with God. He says, I've heard the cry of my people and I've chosen... I've, I've called you basically to go be the deliverer, and Moses makes all kinds of excuses. But I'm, a, you know, I, I can't speak well. I want to choose my brother. I mean, all kinds of excuses. He says, "God, what? You have to pick me. Don't I have enough trouble? I've lost the sheep. Well, I just came up here. What? What are you telling me?" So God tells him, "Look, you got to go and do it." And he says, "Okay, I'll go, but you got to tell me your name." Because when they say, and I show up, and they say, who sent you? What do I tell them? Exodus 3. Oh, you're all there. Underline this in your Bible. And the next time somebody shows up in a car with their kids and tries to talk to you about the kingdom, you whip this scripture up. Mm. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. Everybody say, I am. So God's self-disclosure to Moses is that he is the I am, the self-existent one. Okay, go now to John chapter 8. Let me refrain about people who show up in cars with their kids and try to talk to you about the coming kingdom. You just want to be very careful. Because otherwise you can get very confused. Somebody say, I don't know what he's talking about. All right. John 8, verse 58. We'll read it in a moment. Jesus says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees and all those people, religious leaders of the day. He says to them, before Abraham was, I am. And they say, you mean you're not even 50 years old and you're telling me that you saw Abraham's day? John 8, 58, it says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. The very next verses of Scripture say that they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus slipped through the crowd. Slippery. How's he going to slip through the crowd? I don't know, he just did some like vanishing maneuver. Because he's God, that's why, and that's what he was saying. Jesus is God, say it. Jesus is God. God. And this is just one verse of Scripture. 
Jesus claimed to be God. He is God. So when here are these two crowds coming at a gate called Nain, a woman totally hopeless with her son who's dead, Jesus coming, the author of life, the feeder of the 4,000, the feeder of the 5,000, Him who holds the keys of, of hell and death, Jesus, God, shows up. And when God shows up, everything changes. He says... He looks upon her rather. He's moved by compassion. Really, this text is a picture of the, the true and living God, His love. He's so moved by what you're going through. He cares about you, your situation, your circumstances. He loves you. He's not trying to beat you over the head to teach you something. We serve a loving God. He's not angry. He released His wrath on Jesus so He doesn't have to be released on you. Come on, somebody say, wow, that's cool. Jesus is moved by compassion over and over and over and over again. Through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see the Lord God moved by compassion. The Old Testament see Him moved by compassion too. Compassion is... Not feeling sorry for somebody, that's sympathy. How many of you know sympathy does not help you? Sympathy is feeling sorry for somebody. Anybody ever felt sympathetic? Compassion is feeling what they feel. Jesus is moved by compassion. And I'm going to tell you this morning that God is moved by what is happening in your life today. He's moved by the difficulty you're in the midst of. He's moved by your pain. He's moved by your circumstances. He's moved by the sense of rejection that you feel or overwhelming loneliness when you're in the midst of a group of people but still feel totally alone. He's moved by what you're in the midst of even today. And He's the power to change things. Because He's the Lord of life. That's why. So there's five actions that take place here in the text. The first one, and these speak so loud and clear to us. He's moved with compassion and he said to her, don't weep. Everybody say, don't weep. The NIV says, don't cry. The Apostle Paul in 1-2 Corinthians 1-3 says that God is a God of all comfort. He says to her, don't cry. God's a compassionate God, but He's also all-powerful. And then He says to the young man, He says, get up or live. Young man, I say to you, arise. And I say to you this morning, some of you need to arise. Shake free of the pity party that you're having and realize God can bring life to you. Bring life to your marriage. He can bring life to the relationships Life to your relationships with your daughter, with your son, with your husband, with your spouse, your wife that would be. I guess I need to define that. Husband, wife, and woman. He can help you wherever you are in your walk with God. And sometimes, and I'm not sure why this is, but sometimes when we go through things, we just want to cry. We just want to wallow. We just want to... Weep and rest in our brokenness. I came from a family that was destroyed by the ravages of the enemy. Parents divorced by the time I was seven. Ripped my little heart out. think I was forever trying to fill that hole until I found Jesus. He's the only one that will fill the hole that's in your heart. You can try everything. Fame, fortune, money. You can try it all. Nothing will satisfy. He alone satisfies some of you figuring that out Karen and I were married in 1997 and Hannah was born shortly thereafter we had Irish twins some of you know what that is that's when you have a baby like right away man like (laughs) we were making up for lost time so we had another child and um This baby, we were told when we went in for our, I think it was 17 weeks, is that right, babe? 17-week 
uh, ultrasound and found out our baby had a fatal birth defect. So they said, you know, you need to abort your baby. We said, pound sand, you're not God. We're going to trust God. I've heard tons of stories about how they're wrong. I've heard a lot. I don't know about anybody else. You heard stories about it? They, take the, they do the picture, they do the thing, and they're wrong. They do the triple test or whatever, and they're totally mistaken. Other times they're right. We don't believe in abortion, and we certainly weren't going to practice it. And we know that God can heal even if there was a problem. So I was preaching in Kula during that period of time. It was a small little church in the Hawaiian Islands. And I did a series on miracles and signs and wonders. And we did 21-day fasts. And we prayed and we gave. And we did everything we knew to release the power of God and the miracle of God. And it came time for our son to be born. And when he came out, he was so horribly deformed that... Uh, it was, I, I don't even know how to tell you, it was just, it was, it was horrible. And our son lived for 15 minutes. And I've told this story many times before. I took my son and I went back at Mauer Memorial Hospital to the far room that they, they were smart to give me the far room away from everybody else. I quickly went through the lobby area with my child whose heart was slowing down and almost stopped. As I went through the waiting area, there was a sea of intercessors no exaggeration, approximately 70 to 80 intercessors from our church. They were praying in tongues. They were shaking that place. You could, the security couldn't stop them. They were people that really loved us and, and were going to shake heaven until we got our miracle. How many of you are thankful for the body of Christ? I'm thankful for, a, for being a part of a local church and committed because you don't get that kind of support if you just float around. And so I went off to that room and I got into that room and the nurse let me in. I was holding myself together till the door shut. When the door shut, my heart broke in half. I was so disappointed that God didn't heal my son. and It's my first son. and began to weep and cry. I'm starting to weep now, not because of the pain of that, because of what happened later. <laughs> God's a good God. I hit my knees wailing. Have you ever heard anybody wail? That's not crying. Now, that is a... That is something that it, it just it comes from the depths of your soul. It's not weeping because you're sad or that you're even grieving. It's a it's a it's a it's a travail. It's a birthing wail of pain. Yeah, that's what hit me. And I cried out to God on my knees in that place. And there came a moment. There came a moment when there was a time for me to stop and receive. The comfort of the Lord. There came a moment when he, when he spoke to me and said, Son, don't cry. Well, when he said, Son, don't cry, like a little tantrum, an adult tantrum, I slapped his hand away. Duh! My son is dead. And I continued in my, my wailing. And he reached to me again. Don't weep. And I continued. Because some part of me, some broken part of me, wanted to experience that continued sorrow and pain and anger. I think he actually came one more time to try to comfort me and I pushed him away and then the room went dark. And I do not exaggerate at all. The room went dark. It's literally like the sun was out and the sun left. And I I remember that and the atmosphere shifted. You see, there comes a moment when God speaks to you and He says, don't weep. But if you continue to wallow, if you continue to stay in your sorrow, if you continue to move His hand aside and not receive His comfort, not receive His love, then that sorrow can become demonic. And you can then begin to worship your feelings and things can begin to shift. And that's what happened for me. And then I experienced one of the greatest onslaughts of my faith. Ever since that day, I think it was probably the the biggest onslaught. It was the attack of the enemy to try to knock me out from ever serving God. And the enemy would speak to me and say things like, if you were really a man of God, your son would be healed. Oh, he plays dirty pool. I don't know if you know what dirty pool is. Yeah, he knows how to play it. Oh, if you really love God, he'd have come through for you. And if you really were serving God, your husband wouldn't have done that. If you were really serving God, oh, your baby wouldn't have died. If you were really serving God, if God was really real, how about that one? If he really existed, that death wouldn't have happened. That loss wouldn't have taken place. That thing wouldn't have happened in your life. They're all lies from hell. Every single one of them. 
And as that barrage came upon me and a cloud of darkness overshadowed my life because I didn't receive the comfort of God. All of a sudden I was punch drunk from the shots of the enemy and I realized, this is the devil. I'm reeling. But I had enough prayer, thank God. Thank God for praying people. You know, I called you to prayer for my for me. Remember, remember that? I'll do it again. Please pray for us. How many of you pray for me every day? My wife, my staff. That's not enough. All right, encourage me or something. Just raise your hand. Everybody, just raise your hand. Good. That makes me feel better. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you, I felt a difference over this last week because there was greater intercession. There was intercession and prayer over me and those intercessors praying in that lobby. My mom praying, family praying. Across the nation, we had, we had prayer requests all over every prayer request board you could find on the Internet. You know what I'm talking about? Even though the Internet was young, it was still working back then. They'd be like, was there ever no Internet? Yeah, there was. I knew enough and had enough prayer that I saw it saw clear to like, this is the devil! And I just said, Jesus! And like a column of fire in that room, God came. All of a sudden, it was like the lights went on and He began to comfort me. And I, I wept, but my, my weeping now was resting in the arms of Jesus. And He put His arms around me, held me and my son. And we cried. And He just told me it was going to be okay. And I didn't understand it all, but... I knew that it was going to be okay. And just then there was a knock on the door. The nurse said, there's somebody here who wants to see you. His name was Earl Thurner. Some of you know who that is. Earl Thurner came in. And I told him my son is dead. And he took my little boy from me. And he preached a message. I remember it. It's called the two Daniels. That God had wisdom to leave one Daniel in the earth and allow the other one to go to heaven. That we didn't know the purposes or why that had happened. And he knew that he went on to say about how death is not from God, but he's going to work this thing for good. And he just preached this message. He's, he's, a, he's a real prophet is what he is. A revivalist. And he just went off, turned all red in the face, and God was moving, and his wife was there, who's also a tremendous prophetic voice. And he finished his sermon saying, Now God, Daniel's ministry is now going to begin in the earth. And he was talking about Daniel me as well as my son, who's now in heaven. There's a knock on the door. The lady opens the door, walks in. It's my nurse. Now, my nurse looks at Earl Thurner and his wife and says, Oh my God! Now, I didn't know what happened, but I, I, I found out later. She falls apart. Jana, his wife, comes and comforts her and says, I, We didn't blame you. We didn't blame you. It's okay. It's alright. And they pray for her and she gets saved. This is in the room. She gets saved. And they, and they pray for her. I don't, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just like, oh God, you're awesome, God. Oh, you know, I'm just like worshiping at this point. I'm to find out this. That Earl and Janet Thurner had a baby that died ten years earlier and they had the same room I was in. They wailed in that room with us and un, unbeknownst to me, but I found out afterwards, the nurse that took care of their baby was my nurse, was the nurse that walked in and knocked on the door that right after the sermon that he preached. And she got saved and she thought that she had killed their baby. Their baby was very deformed and, and, and aspirated and choked on some food when she was trying to feed the baby and their baby died. Very deformed child just like ours. And their baby went to heaven. In fact, our babies are, are buried together. In a place called Kuau, right next to each other. Come on, somebody say, wow. If you will stop weeping about the sorrow, of the, there's a time to grief, but there's a time to let it go. And this woman was about to experience a miracle, and I just believe that if she continued, she pushed him away. She could say, you don't understand. Push his hands away. And the death crowd would have continued and the life crowd would have kept going. But she stopped. And she listened to the Lord. She listened to God speak to her that day and say, don't weep. I want you to know that God can come through for you. It does not matter if you're facing death. It does not matter if you have cancer. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Our God's an awesome God. And He wants to come through for you. He wants to help you. Don't push His hand away. Come on, somebody say, don't weep.
raises this young man. He says, live. And I hear the Lord saying that to us. To our families. To us individually. To those online. Those listening by podcast, perhaps. Live. Live. Live the life that God has intended for you. Depression's not from God. Oppression, also not from God. Anxiety, alcoholism, drug addiction, not from God. God has created you and I to have life and life to the full. And we go through these things and these we're punch drunk or reeling from the enemy, but we have to find this life in God. Some of you need to get up. Live the life abundant. As you trust Him and obey Him and you live for Him. Look at verse 15 with me. Let's look back at the text. So this boy gets raised to death, raised from life, raised to life. Not unlike the young man that's upstairs. And he was dead, sat up and began to speak. I, I wish I understood. I wish I knew what he said. So the, so the young man gets up and begins to speak. Wouldn't you like to hear that sermon? I think it's something like, Whoa! That's God right there! Y'all need to be saved! I think he just started preaching. I, I don't think it was like this. So glad that I'm not dead anymore. Now, I don't think it went like that. I think, I think Homie was pretty excited. He might have actually been angry. For a second, and then he saw that Jesus and realized God had a greater purpose and he wasn't supposed to stay in heaven. Who knows? Maybe he went to hell. There's a thought. Maybe he was entering the gates of eternal damnation and Jesus. He ain't smiling now because there is two places. I'm going to go encourage myself. I'll be right back. Praise God. Amen, Pastor. I'm with you. Oh, hallelujah. There's two places. Come on, somebody say it. There's two places. I don't know where this boy came back from, but he came back from something. He began to speak, and I think there was a revival service. Whether it was hell or heaven, we don't know where he came back from, but he came back to life. And verse 15, look with me. Go ahead. Look, in, look at the Word. So he was dead, sat up, began to speak, and he, was, and he presented him to his mother. Jesus is the great reuniter. He's a great reconciler. He's a great healer. He's a great deliverer. But one of the things that He does is He reunites families. He heals families. We went to Igigik and like I said, it was like the land it was like the land was rejoicing the fact that we landed there. And I began to think about the gravity of the situation as I was there with Minister Tim in his ancestral home. I mean... His mother was born there. His mother, mother was born there. I don't know how many generations goes back, and all the houses are there. They're still there. Some of them are falling down. Others of them are, are still there. The boats that they fished in are still there. You know they don't work anymore. They're wooden ones. You know they used to they used to do salmon fishing by sailboat. I sat there in his ancestral home with his mother and with Tim. His wife and his children, three generations standing there, and I just felt the good pleasure of the Lord. We had an opportunity to, I mean, we prayed, we had an amazing time. We started the small group there on Thursday nights. It'll be there next Thursday, and we pray for Iggy Gig. We went on a Friday night to go have meetings on the other side of the river where we were like in a village of the village. We were on the other side of the river. And we crossed over the river to Igigik, the formal village, and a lot of fishermen there, and places teeming with activity. And we walked through the streets, and as we walked through the streets up to this little church that they were letting us use, I just began to feel the presence of the Lord and the good pleasure of God. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm thinking, man, God has actually raised up one of the, their own people to be great and strong in God, a prophetic voice who's free. And delivered and healed and whole. 
And as I'm watching Tim, I took picture after picture as I'm watching Tim. And what I thought it was, it was, it was so classic because he, for, he forgot his shoes. Now, he was just going to change his shoes. You have to wear hip waders because of the mud and stuff. So he forgot his shoes. So he preached in hip waders. I'm going to put it up on Facebook. Wait till you see it. It's awesome. I thought about wearing them this morning myself. I thought it might, might, might help the, the anointing, presence of God. And I watched, I watched Minister Tim preach the gospel in the church where his parents were married, where his grandfather went to church. I watched him preach the gospel where he was dedicated. And if you've ever seen him or spent any time with Minister Tim, he sings like he hums. I often wonder, what is he humming? Because I can't ever figure out what he's humming. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Hmm. He's humming hymns that he learned in that church. And he got up and he began to speak. I was overwhelmed that God has brought one of, it, one of the village's own people back with an unction and anointing to stand in the pulpit and just proclaim before God and His kingdom and before the devil and His, and His demons that there is redemption and there is power. There is one who has a God of all comfort who says, weep no more. There's hope! There is hope for the dark places of Alaska. There's hope! And I want to say also, because sometimes I think we mislead people. Oh, village life. Dude, village life is off the chain. Simple and beautiful. I mean, I had birds singing to me. I sucked on grass and ate some green things I never saw before. And the mosquitoes and the bugs were insane. But I learned how to deal with them. The smell of the alder. Salt water. And the simple life. Mike, I, I learned to play guitar. Yeah, because I probably wasn't having my brain sucked out of my ears on my stupid phone. I spent more time in the Word. I mean, you know, we tried to find people, but, you know, it's not that many people. We had divine appointments. The fish were jumping. The birds were singing. Jesus brought Tim and his family back as a testament. What He is doing in the state of Alaska. I am telling you, I prophesy to you that there is the indigenous people of the land are rising up. Some of you have thought things that are not right about, about native Alaskans. Highly intelligent. Man, Tim, was, Tim could see things a thousand miles off that I couldn't see anything. He, he's like, you smell that? I'm like, what are you talking about? He heard the plane before there was one. He's like, there it is. Here it comes. Oh, here comes what? What are you saying? I'm saying that God, the healing that took place in, just in the land because of one of the sons of Igigik rose up and returned to preach the gospel was beyond anything I've ever experienced before. Can I just let you in on a little thing about, about uh, your pastor, your pastors? You know, we're, we are living a dream. We're living a dream. I, I'm living it. I don't do what I do because, like, it's a job. This is not a job. This is my life. This is what we do. That's what, that's what Brackens do. Brackens serve God. We preach the gospel. My kids will be in full-time ministry. That's what we do. You know, some of you raise up kids to be in real estate or raise them up to be in business. Our kids are being raised up to be preachers of the gospel in the ministry. That's what, they're, they're, that's what they want to do. That's what they're going to do. So we're living a dream because God took us out of the dunghill. Took us from the pit. And washed us and cleansed us and healed us. But now as I'm getting older, I'm beginning to experience the joy of helping other people's dreams come about. And I will tell you, there is nothing in all the world like that. I had a dream in King Salmon. I came to this cliff. I looked over the cliff down in this river, and the river rose very rapidly. And as we looked down to the river, could see these nuggets of gold begin to appear all along the river. And I was standing there with some, with some people and... We saw this gold, and I was the only one that could jump in. I don't know what the deal was, but I knew I was the one that had to jump in. So I dove in, and I remember seeing the piece of gold that I saw. It was, you know, it was about this big. It was awesome. The guy next to me was Tim. 
He saw a piece of gold too. It's like I knew he saw it. And I saw his piece of gold. But I was the one that had to go in the water and get it. His was like this big. What's the deal? So I pick up my little scrap of nugget. And I see, I'm under the water. I see his nugget. I'm like, praise the Lord. And I, and I come up and then there's this sense like, I wish that was mine. Bless God. I knew the right thing to do was to hand it to him. And I handed it to him. It was like this power. You know, I got to Igigik and I stood at the place of the river where there's, a, I didn't even know there was a bank like that. I stood in the place. We first get there, we get to his property. We walk to the end of the bank looking down at the river. Tim is standing on the left side and I realized, whoa, this is my dream. And I realized what it was. God has given me, at least in the small little realm of authority that I have, to be a door holder, to open doors for people. And I'd go for it, Tim. Get it, man. Go get it. What an awesome thing to be a part of seeing life be birthed. How many of you got a dream? You have a hope. If you don't have a hope, you don't have a dream, you have a division, stick around because it's contagious. You'll get it around here. Be a part of a vision that's bigger than yourself. Oh, Tim preached. You should see the video that I have of him. I didn't mean to take it, actually. I took some pictures. They needed a new outboard for the motor, and they're going to borrow something for the boat, for the skiff, and so we had to get somebody's motor. And Anyway, I jump on this four-wheeler, and it's over there. The guy says, see that building over there? So I find my way in the four-wheeler, and we help load up the, the motor. On my way there, I'm, I decide to get my camera out. I'm, we're going to put it on video. We'll put it on video and show it to you because it's just supernatural. I take my little camera on my phone. It's the only thing that worked actually on my phone was my camera. I turn the video thing on and I start going up the hill recording the whole thing. And I, we're, I'm driving through the streets of Iggy Gick and I come up on these people. And it's Tim, his mother, his wife, and his children. And they're walking down and I'm, kid you not, I have never seen an individual glow like that. It looked like he was 223 phase with a million candle watt power coming out of his face. His grill was, I didn't know that man had some big teeth. You know, like a, just this biggest smile I've ever seen on a human being. I rolled, I rolled up and it looks like it was staged, but it wasn't. It was total spontaneous. And I'm bidding him and I said, well, Tim, what do you think is all, praise the Lord. I was just like, yeah, praise God. Come on, somebody, say live. This hopeless situation wasn't hopeless because God showed up. And the situation you're in, it ain't hopeless either. And it's not hopeless for any village. It's not hopeless for any people. There is no pit that you might have fallen in that God is not deeper still. He can come through for you. He can heal your marriage. He can touch your rebellious kids. Come on, somebody, say hallelujah. Woo! Just preach myself happy. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Is anybody glad to be saved here this morning? Ah! Come on. Worship team, come please. God wants to help you in your situation. He wants to comfort you and He wants to reunite you with your purpose, your provision. He wants to reunite you in vision. My God is an awesome God. Where's my? I want to sing some "Don't Cry, Raise the Dead." Um. <laughs> Something Thank you. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Our God raises the dead and heals the sick. He sets the captives free. (laughs) I have messed myself up. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, stand up on your feet. I got a dream, says the Lord. I got a dream for you. I've got a hope for you. I have a future for you. Don't be weary in well doing, for in due time you shall receive a harvest. You 
shall receive a harvest. something this morning. Let me conclude this message with just a couple thoughts, and it's this. You and I are called to reflect God's heart. You and I are called to reflect not only His heart, but to be demonstrators of His power. And the demonstration of the power of God will come through you as you have intimacy with God. You must know Him. You've got to return to the ancient path of really knowing God, not religion, not tradition. People have that. That's why they're not in church anymore. They're sick of it. Sick of a bunch of rules and regulations. You have to do this and don't do this. Well, there, there are very clearly laws. And I mean, how many of you know you still got to obey the Ten Commandments? Yeah, but you can't get saved by them. That's the point. 
We're called to called to reflect His heart and to be demonstrators of His power. Let me read these verses and we will close. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate one to another. Forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. You do not know what has happened in the life of the person to the right and the left of you. You don't know. Nor do I. And when somebody goes through horrible, painful times, don't you point the finger and say, well, they just thought it. You don't know. We came across a pastor who was really, what would be the word? We weren't exactly warmly received. Okay, it wasn't like real mean and all that, but very clearly like, I later found out that he has just gone through adultery. He committed adultery. There's nobody here in the valley. He committed adultery. And he's going through counseling, praise God. I'm going to tell you, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. When people go through things, you be like Jesus. You give them hope. You speak life. You take them by the hand and tell them it's okay. You're going to come through it as you serve God, as you, as you live for God. We're called to reflect in 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you, everybody say us. Us. Live in harmony one with another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. And then I think the last thing is understand that we are called to exert our authority. Our God-given, blood-bought authority. Exert it over situations. This couple that was at our small group so hurt. And I, I, I didn't know how they would take me just prophesying, so I, you know, kind of dialed it dialed the religious tone out of it and didn't shake my hand and jump around and stuff. But I saw, I saw all of a sudden she looked at me with tears in her eyes and hope began to rise. Won't you do that for somebody this week? You hold life. You have life in you if you have Jesus. So not only for your own self, let's reach to this community. Amen. Did you get something from Jesus today? Bow your head. All across this place, bow your head. Close your eyes. If you're not right with God, you know it. You know you're not right with God today. You've come into this place. It is not an accident. I know we've had fun. It's been interesting. Maybe heard some things that helped you, but ultimately it comes down to this. There is a crowd that is the death crowd. There is the life crowd. Which crowd are you part of? How's your, how's your life going? If you've never really given your heart to God, won't you? I implore with you. I plead with you today. Make a decision to live for God. Receive Jesus. His finished work of the cross. He died on the cross for you. Remember how He said God's not angry at you? Yeah, He's not angry at you because His wrath was released on His Son that you might have life and life to the full, life abundantly. He came to defeat and destroy the works of the devil who's come to steal, kill, and destroy today make a decision to live for Jesus and if that's you you've never given your heart to God and you want to do that in a moment I want you to slip your hand up or maybe you gave your heart to Jesus at a, at a youth camp or a children's camp years ago but you know you're not living right today and you need to recommit your life to the Lord if that's you all across this place you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to the Lord if that's you slip your hand up right now where are you God bless you thank you for your honesty God bless you over there anybody else God bless you thank you I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Now listen, in this church, we never want to embarrass anybody, ever. We don't want to embarrass anyone. But we're also aware of this truth. That Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father, which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you. And so, those of you that raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand at all, in a moment, as soon as Micah begins to sing, I want you to step out from where you're standing and come right here, right in the front. There'll be others that are coming. Don't you think about it. You just come and you give your life for real. For real, give your life to Jesus. I'm not talking about joining this church. You need to be a part of a church, there's no doubt. But if you've never given your heart to Jesus or you need to make a recommitment to Him, 
as soon as he sings, you come. We want to help you grow in God. Come right now. Right out loud, all across this place, those that are online, just right out loud, play with us, pray with us, right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Free me from every chain and from every bondage and use me to fulfill your purpose in the earth. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's just bless them right now. Come on, reach your hands to heaven. That's where your help comes from. Holy Spirit, come, touch, fill, Strengthen. Heal. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, just go ahead and do it. Give you praise. Jesus' name. Amen. We've got some leaders that are going to come help you right now. And uh, while, they're, while they're ministering and helping these folks right here, let me just talk to you. Be encouraged today and know that God is a God of all hope and a God of all comfort and He can help you. He can use your life. How many of you got Jesus in there? Good. Let Him out. Flow with Him. Won't you minister to somebody? You know, we had those folks come over and we drank coffee and then we had more coffee. And then after that we had more and they put on another pot and we had some more coffee. And I think that was followed by more. And there came a moment as we were there in the, in, in the Campos home on the bank of the river, there came a moment when I could have just let it all roll and just go, well, that was nice. And we say goodbye and well, we made some new friends. But I realized I might not ever see these people again. And so I took that conversation on purpose, changed it, began to talk about the Lord, began to talk about what He's done for me. And there was resistance, but there was an openness. And I shared my testimony, which resulted in like... And they heard the gospel clearly, maybe for the first time in their lives. Won't you reach out to somebody? Reach to somebody set you on fire. I know no greater way to get on fire than to be a soul winner. I don't know a greater way. Worship, prayer, yeah. Go share your faith with somebody. Receive encouragement for yourself this morning too. Anybody get something from God? Alright, good. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Take someone by the hand. Pastor Karen, would you join me? So thankful that you came to be with us this morning. If you don't have a home church, we would love to be that for you. We're growing. Great things are happening. 
very exciting time to be in Alaska, to be in the kingdom. God is good, isn't He? Come on, let's pray for each other. Father, thank You for what You've done today, what You're going to do tonight at the 6 o'clock service. Pour out Your Spirit, I pray, upon Your people. I ask, God, that You would lift up Your countenance towards them, be gracious to them, keep them, and give them peace. In Jesus' name, and all of God's precious people said, Amen.